hey, we're back. Yeah. And we should remind people, before they get to hear any good content, that they need to subscribe, rate, review. It took a while um, for us to uh, uh, get the gifts out, but they're going to be on the way this week for our, our previous listeners. And a reminder that when we hit 1,000 reviews, we will do another giveaway. How you feeling, man? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Need this weather to get a little cooler. Though, Man, right? I'm ready for the fall. Oh, there's not, fall in New York is the best. There's nothing too. better than the uh -oh. East Coast fall, man. Right? Oh. It's, it's, le it's legit. It's crisp. It's beautiful. You get it's baseball. Yeah, exactly. The stadium's bumping. You must be happy you guys got your horses back. It feels like forever since you've had everyone healthy. And nah, we haven't been whole in a long time. So it feels good to be back whole. Like we got our guys back. So we got to, you know. Start playing well. Start even seeing what's even going Chappie, on. yeah, is I mean that you guys have been missing not just like you mean been missing big pieces for a long time. No, I think it, it, the biggest piece was Didi. You know, I mean we we tried to do whatever we could when Judge went down. Obviously, we knew he was going to be down for a while, but when Didi left for those ten days, man, like he's I mean he's just such a big part of our offense and our defense and everything we do. You know, so not having him for a couple of days, I think, just put us on the wrong track. Is he, is he big personality-wise, too, for you guys? Yeah, he's big everything-wise. Yeah. He's big everything-wise. He's our guy. So, uh, you know, I think that was the biggest blow, you know, not having him. And, you know, obviously not having Judge was for a long time. We didn't have Santi for a long time. Um, but, I mean, hey, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's part of the sport. It's part of the game. So, we just keep going on. Nobody's going to cry as a river. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? Nobody's... Not for the New York Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Hey, you got to use the cough button already. There <laughs> yeah. you go, man. It's pretty good, right? Very nice. Um, hey, we want to send out well wishes uh, to Lizzie Sarver, who tweeted at us. This was so cool, man. Tweeted at us last uh, episode. Spent today's chemo session listening to R2C2. Thanks for keeping me entertained. Oh, that's awesome. So, Lizzie, glad we could uh, keep you company during that. And obviously... Wishing you a speedy recovery. Yes, for sure. And hope this episode helps as well. Yeah. You know? We'll keep them coming for you. Um, and also, see, how about this? We got our, our, our first uh, big-time ad here since the relaunch. It's for The Athletic. Who You're definitely reading it. I <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I will read it. But I'm going to bring you in at one point on it. So, I mean, I have to say, I, I love The Athletic. What they've done, I think – for like journalism is amazing. I love reading their pieces. And if you haven't gotten into They did a really yet, good piece on Dusty Baker. A fantastic piece yeah, on Dusty Baker. Yeah, yeah no. Which is uh, which, which was awesome because I've known Dusty since I was 12 years old. So to read that it's it's him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like every it's everything him. So it was great. See, I didn't even need to give you a script and you just like already are, are adding <laughs> to it. That's what we call organic advertising, man. It, it's it's those kind of pieces though, right? Like the athletic does stuff that's just different. It's more in depth and we're going to give our listeners the opportunity to get 40% off a first year subscription. So just 2.99 a month on CC and I by going to the slash R2C2, make sure it's uppercase, athletic.com slash R2C2. You subscribe there, you get 40% off. And just for those of you who don't know, The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. Their model's simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know your favorite teams inside and out. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 700 news stories published every week across all sports. National MLB writers include... Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, Peter Gammons, amongst others. There's a lot of great ones. Yankees writers include Mark Carrick, who just did an awesome column on Miguel Andujar. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting reading that, see, 
is how many of uh, just seeing your teammates who are quoted about it talking about like how versatile a hitter he is. Where basically, like if you, it, it's not just fastballs in the zone, right? If you put anything, well, in you the throw zone, a fastball right? in the zone, he's going to smash it. <laughs> right, right. But he's a great breaking ball hitter. He's good, you know, down in the zone. He's a good two strike approach hitter. Like he's. He's got it all. He's a he's a great hitter. Would this be the kind of dude that, like, you think about it, he, he would give you fits as a pitcher just trying to come up with a game plan against him? Yeah, because there is no game plan because he hits bad pitches and he hits good pitches. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to – for me, if I'm trying to throw a backdoor slider, he might be able to, to – he's the one guy that might be able to hit that ball in the right center. You know what I mean? And yeah. He can turn on the cutter. So, I mean, he gives you he gives you fits every pitcher. Well, see, that is the kind of stuff you will see in this story. Got to check it out at The Athletic. Make sure you check out Mark Carrick's column and go to theathletic.com slash R2C2 for 40% off your subscription. You ready for Mr. October? I am. Are you? I I, I don't know, man. (laughs) I can't wait. Reggie Jackson coming up this episode, R2C2. See, we've been been talking about getting uh, Mr. October on for a while. I've been excited to try to get you on here. For this podcast, you lying. I am. No. I, I'm telling you, lying. You mean lying? You <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He has been. T- he's been telling me for a long time. He's like, yeah, we got to get Reggie on. He has the best stories. That's what we need to get on. Well, I got good stories, but um, CC knows he can have me on. He's my man. He's one of my guys, and um, it's fun being with him. And I think it's nine years. Is this ten. nine? It's, it's ten, been years. ten years. I mean, it's it's been a cool ten years, and he's. Um, He's a pillar in the clubhouse. He's he's our cool, you know. What I mean, he he he's our cool guy. <laughs> you know, he can chill, chill out, and at the same time, um, you know, if he disagrees with something that is going to impact the team uh, negatively or he doesn't think it should be, uh, he puts his foot down because he's got the time and tenure uh, and performance in his past to be able to you know, control the clubhouse and, and give it the correct direction and things like that. So um, he's done his he's done his thing in the right way. He's uh, created an image and shown character at the right time uh, for the ball club. And this uh, club now that's um, developing what its personality is and what its character is going to be at the same time because there's so many young players. Um, and when people see the effort that CC gives, hurt or whatever, doesn't miss his turn, if you will. Um, you know, it does show players how to go about it, and that's, you know, what you try to do. And that's really his job as a guy that's been around for 17, how many? 18 seasons. Uh, 18 yeah. seasons. You know, when you play that long, then, you know, you've been doing something right for a long time, and you understand what it's, what the etiquette is on the field, um, how you act in the dugout, how you carry yourself on the airplane, what you should be doing at night, and um, just how to go about being a professional did it take you any bit of time, see, before you were comfortable, like putting your foot down, like Reggie was saying? How, hey, you know, now you have, you you you've got the, you got the accomplished status, right? And you have that cachet. Did it take any bit of time before you felt like, oh yeah, no, I can do it, this? It was, a, I think, it, just because I played on such a young team in Cleveland, and I was a young guy that they wanted me to kind of be a, a leader, that it just kind of happened, you know, so early naturally that it wasn't, you know, something that I had to try to do or you know try to be anything that I wasn't. They just wanted me to be myself, and from a young age, I was able to do that. So I was, you know, grateful for that in the Cleveland organization. It was awesome. And then you've been able to do it here. Reggie, can you picture a time, like, do you do you remember specific instances in your career where 
let's say, organization wanted something or a certain player wanted something, and you you had to be the guy to say, like, hey, no, 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 no. This is not happening right now in this clubhouse. Um, it, it happened to me quite a bit when I was a young player with Oakland, where we had a, uh, a very dominant owner, um, is at least as dominant as George was and Charlie Finley. And uh, we had plays with contract squabbles and things like that. And there were many times that I would stand up for the players, you know, the 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 times and the rules, et cetera, and the free agent clause, the reserve clause. Uh, the demand of the player at that particular time was very limited. Uh, and you really had to be a star to be able to, to create or have some impact because they'd trade you, they'd move you, they'd get rid of you, et cetera, and make it very difficult for you if you did complain. And it wasn't necessarily just black players. It was all players. Um, and the same thing happens today. I think it um, is a little bit more overt back in those, in those days. It stood out a heck of a lot more. I think nowadays um, it doesn't nearly happen happen as much, but you know certainly I can see CC going to the manager, going to a coach, going to um, someone else in the clubhouse, talking to the uh, traveling secretary about some things that you know aren't quite right, and then correcting those. And um, you know when he came in, you know you have to perform before you can be a leader. You've got to do something. There's many times that people would say, "Well, why isn't so and so leading?" Well, he's Three and twelve would a six eighty. <laughs> so he he he, he, he done got quiet. <laughs> or, or he's, you know, it's July and he's hitting one hundred and seventy five or two hundred, and so you get quiet. But you have to perform to have a voice that's heard and a voice that protects. But back in the day, so like contract squabbles, it was it was no. I mean, they just paid you whatever, right? Yes. There was no negotiation. It was you get drafted by a team, you with that team. That's correct. That's yeah. crazy. Isn't it was that no amazing? way to no way to do anything about it. It was 1976. Um, Kurt Flood tried to do something. I want to say in '69 or '70, uh, he was traded, and he did not want to did not did not want to execute the, the trade. Didn't want to go through with it, and he got pushed around the game. He tried uh, to test the reserve clause. He went to court. And it just didn't work for him at all. He wound up being pushed out of baseball, um, started drinking, having other issues. And Kurt Flood was a really a classy gentleman. But the difficult that he had in his life because he attacked the reserve clause impacted his life, and it impacted him negatively. A few years later, Andy Messersmith, Catfish Hunter, um, Dave McNally were guys that tested the reserve clause. And what happened um, is Catfish Hunter was sent a contract after December the 15th. And that contract became null and void. And he hit the free agent market and the Yankees signed him for $3.75 million, 750000 a year. And that started the opening up uh, about three, four months later, the reserve clause was being tested. I forget the arbitrator that ruled against the owners, and we all became free agents. And then they came to the table and started negotiating, and it came to the point to where the players gave back um, a six-year limit that you had to play six years. But when it first happened, it was a free-for-all. And Charlie Finley, the owner of the A's, said, let them all go free and the prices won't be as high with everybody free. Mm. Everyone may move around all over the place, but there won't be just a few guys available so that all 28 teams or whatever it was at the time 
could go chase the one player and the price would skyrocket. Though Finley was really the smartest guy. If everybody, if, he, if everyone would have said, okay, they all start over and let's re-sign everyone, and it would not have gotten it. You know, it did, wouldn't have escalated the way it did uh, financially. I know, see, I've seen it with you before. Like, you guys, players today, I know it's, it's especially true with you, and I imagine some of your, your teammates and that are so appreciative of – the groundwork that was laid by other players like Reggie or or Kerf Flood or, or Catfish Hunter, whoever you you want to go to, and, and we'll, the only thing I'll say, Ryan, yeah. is I don't think that there are there aren't ten players in the clubhouse that there aren't five players in the clubhouse and no Kurt Flood, no. right? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you that he played for the Cardinals. He traded the Phillies. The first guy that rebelled with it, Jackie Robinson, was traded by the Dodgers to the Giants. And he refused to go oh, and retired. And he retired. Mm. Yeah, I didn't that know was that. true. Yeah, wow. he was traded. He was about thirty-six, maybe thirty-eight years old. He was traded to the Dodgers, and he quit. Wow. And he got the job with Chalk Full of Nuts, and then he became a a, um, gosh, uh, not a spiritualist, but he became a an activist uh, for minorities. Now, Reggie, do you when you see the game and and the the money in it today and the way you know the way free agency works now, is there is there some part of you that celebrates the the way that it's it's grown and where it is now today for these players? Every part of me celebrates that. Um, you know the sharing of the revenues and and players getting what you know their their fair share, if you will, and it obviously continues to grow. Um, at the same time, I do get disappointed that. I see so many bad contracts. I just don't think there's an excuse for contracts that are 150, 180, 190, 60, 70, 80 multi-year contracts that are forgotten about and thrown away. That seems to get lost where, where people don't pay a penalty for it or it's not recognized or not noticed. Certainly, the good contracts are recognized, the, the C.C. Sabathia contract, the Alex, Reed, Alex Rodriguez contract, and those contracts that get signed. And guys make tons of money. Um, everyone pats you on the back for that. But it, the bad contracts get lost. And I don't know why the media forgets about it or whatever, but it's disappointing for me. Mm. When you, you know, we jokingly, like, we're talking about Mr. October being on. That's your nickname. Now, I would have to imagine... As as a player, that's got to be about as as good a nickname as you could ever hope for, right? I mean, like like if you're if you're getting into baseball and they call you Mister Month of the Playoffs, it's, 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 it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's 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 uh, the, you know, and there's some awesome ones. There's you know, there's Air Jordan, there's the Iron Horse, there's the Babe, uh, and ones that you know just are so fantastic. There's Johnny U. There's Joe Cool, meaning Joe Montana. Yeah. But nothing like is that. like Mr. October though, just because it's the it's the it represents like the playoffs. Yeah, like it, it it it's the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 a little more special just because it it represents you know the 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 end of the season. Like the, I don't know, it's just a, it's I don't know, it's a cool thing. The leaves turn brown, I'll be around. <laughs> it, it, it is it is really cool, and like you say, I'm 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 grateful for it, yeah, et cetera, and. Uh, it's cool when I send a message to somebody saying, man, Mr. October. <laughs> the best one I ever had is uh, I have a golf tournament every year uh, in California, and I called George Gervin, and um, 
he got off the phone and his wife says, who was that on the phone? You, you just acting like, you know, he, he, you, you were honoring this guy. Who was on the phone? <laughs> and he said, she said, what's going on? It sounds like you're going to play golf somewhere. She said, what did, what did he ask you? She, he, he said, George Gervin, Iceman, he said, he didn't ask me anything. He just told me when I was going to his golf tournament. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's cool. You got like, I mean, you got all those those old like those friends, like those you friends yeah, with all those guys that are really legends, cool, man. I mean, not. you're a legend yourself, but you know, I, I've got a, a radio show that's very similar to what you're doing, CC. It's um, on Sirius XM 82 on Saturdays, 11 a.m. I'll give it a plug. Yeah, go oh, for yeah. it. 8, absolutely. 8, 8, 8, 8 a.m. in California, and. Rather than have, and I wanted to pick someone to work with, okay, and, um, you know, I got some, the, the cool thing about it is I'm still a fan. And so I remember when, when CC first came here, I used to make trips to the bullpen. With he would him walk with me he, every start. Go, really? Yeah, I'd go down to the bullpen and watch him start. I knew he was a Reggie fan, and yep. I became a CC fan, and I'd go down to the bullpen when he warmed up on the road at home. It was cool. You know, yeah. Whatever. How amazing is that, that was, man? It was awesome, like warming yeah. up, you know, ALCS game one, and Reggie's walking out there with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everybody oh, noticed. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, yeah and I got, cool. I got, I kind of got busted for a, a little, little bit. bit. Baseball yeah. started dragging <laughs> up. Oh, really? So I had to sneak out. I started sneaking out and stuff like that. So, but um, in, on my show, I've got um, for my baseball stuff, I have Ozzie Smith, Mike Schmidt, Jim Rice. Uh, I'll have Brett and um, so I said Smitty, right? Yeah. Um, so, I'll, so I'll leave it at that. And for football, I've got Franco Harris and Jerry Rice. Oh, and for nice. basketball, I've got the Iceman and Dr. J. Oh, don't get no better than yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's going to be it's it's going to be really cool this weekend. Um, I'm going to do my show this weekend, and I'm going to connect with Ricky. Um, we, we know who Ricky those is. Stories. Oh yeah, yeah. those Ricky, stories yeah, are going to yeah. be. Well, <laughs> you know the Ricky stories are going to be great because uh, the secondhand Ricky stories are unbelievable. So you know what was cool about that day when you guys all went into the A's Hall of Fame? Yeah. Is all those guys, Dave, Stewart, Ricky, all those guys, first thing they acknowledged was you and how you, you know, helped them get to the big leagues and you picking up Dave Stewart when he was 10 years old. Like, that's a that's a cool I, I, thing. Like, I mean, you birthed so many baseball players, man. It's crazy. The only thing, the only thing I'll say about it is, is I, it, it doesn't matter where I go, there'll be Reggie stories, okay? And so I sit and I go like, Please don't say I was a jerk. <laughs> you know, I, 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 uh, Mickey Mantle came to my Hall of Fame thing, and uh, he hadn't been at the Hall uh, Hall of Fame for a lo- for a long time. But I had a good relationship, and I walked over to him. I said, "Hey, Mickey," I said, "Let me ask you a question, man. When guys are telling stories about you, he said, are they all true?" I said, "Because I get so many stories about me, it's like." Really? <laughs> do all that. And, 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 and Mickey, Mickey says to me, he says, oh, hell, Reggie, you know, if, if I'd have been all of that stuff that them guys talked about, I'd have been three guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. terrific. But going back to our tradition before I pitch, even yeah. uh, game five, AODS, last year we went to dinner before. Like that was – Wow. Yes. Yeah, yes. that was like a In good, Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, the night before. That's yeah, awesome. Cool. What, before what kind of stuff do you guys talk about the night before a game like Just that? Just talking. Yeah, you I don't just, think we ever really talk baseball. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, every now and well, again. Well, yeah, but. every now and again. But you just, I just enjoy sharing time with CeCe. I think he's honest. I think he's, uh, you know, really cool dude, too, at the same time. At the same time, I know his family for ever since he'd been here. Um, I talked to his mom from time to time and talked to um, Amber, his wife. And so I feel connected. His son has grown up now, and We're I saw raised. him when he was a little toddler. It, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. He is huge now. Yeah. Yeah. And He's so huge. It's, uh, it's, it's a really nice relationship as part of I feel like I'm like he and I are family in some way, and we forever will be connected that way. That's what baseball does to you. That's what the, the trek and the journey you know, does his ups, his downs. Um, I always tell a story about him uh, in Chicago, and you'll remember this story. You know, he he had pitched a game, and in his first six years here, um, he would pitch into the seventh or eighth inning habitually, sometimes touch the ninth. Um, but when they told him he was coming out, he would empty the tank and touch 97 98 99 and just stay right there the entire inning empty it and then come on in in chicago um i want to say that he had had an operation over that winter and but he never changed his his workload okay he still pitched into the eighth and the ninth and late into the seventh etc 120 125 pitches and still kept emptying the tank and that night we were in chicago it was probably 95 to 100 with oh. heavy humidity and he had got into the late late into the eighth inning uh, he had, you know and this was going to be his last inning and i want to say Quintana or somebody, Quentin, some uh, Carlos Quentin, yeah, had hit one home run or two home runs off him. It was three to two, and he had to see him in the ninth, and he stayed in the game, emptied the tank, and left it all there. Okay, he came into the clubhouse, he sat down in his chair, and he said, "I'm exhausted. <laughs> I can't believe how tired I am." Um, and he sat there with his glove on his right hand in full uniform, hat still on. He probably sat there for 10 minutes, just exhausted. And so I watched him. I went and told Joe Girardi uh, and um, uh, Larry. Larry how tired and exhausted he was. And um, I came back maybe 10 or 15 minutes later, and he was still there. And I, I said to him, uh, do you want to go get some dinner or something after game? He said, Reg, I can't make it, man. I, I, I got to go back to my room, eat, and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and that story, in that particular situation to me, after that, I never felt he was the same. He came back late in the year, I want to say pitched against Detroit mm -hmm. in, in a, um, his throw day. He pitched on his throw day because we were short of pitching and came in and faced a few hitters, and he got hit. And he never would get hit in that situation. Mm. And I, I had constantly referred back to that, and then another time, and, I, and then 
he, then he was was hurt and didn't throw the same. That was 2012. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember you remember oh, that yeah, start remember, Chicago yeah, well? Yeah. I remember him coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're all right. I was the, like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Did that feel like an empty the tank moment in your career as well? It's always – I always feel like that. I always feel like I give everything I have every time out there. But just in that particular game, it was just so hot and it was exhausting. And, and, and Carlos, he was giving me trouble. So – and but I had – I mean, to, you know – you do what I had to do. Yeah, man. Well, <laughs> so. it's, it's like we, we hear so many people who will come on always reference CeCe's performance in Milwaukee when he's pitching on three days yeah. rest over yeah. and over and over again, even though knowing that may not be his team in the future, which is, which is awesome. I, I gotta, I, I'm picturing now you in the bullpen, throwing your bullpen. with. Where are you standing when, when uh, CeCe's would, throwing the bullpen? I would stand on the side out of the way. Yeah. Um, obviously, he knew I was there, and his bullpen work was somewhere be- around 38 pitches. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? It's there 42, 38 to 42. Okay, and so it's around that, and um, I was just there and support, and that's great, and being a fan and enjoying it. I feel like that'd be intimidating for the opponent if, like, when you're walking out no, to the it's bullpen, cool. it's, it's <laughs> you and you and Reggie no. walking out to the pen together. That's fantastic. <laughs> that good man. for me. I bet, man. That's awesome. So let, let's dial back to Mr. October again, because I don't know. Reggie, who was the first person who ever called you, Mr. October? Thurman Munson. Thurman Munson. And, and we were at odds a little bit. We were in Detroit, and we had beat Detroit at the end of the – late in the season, late in September. And I hit home run number 30 and drove in RBI number 100 that particular day. It was around September 20th or so. And um, the media came in, and Thurman had hit a home run and done something good or whatever. And um, – they wanted to interview him, and, and he was in a grumpy mood, and he was in a grumpy mood a lot of times, especially <laughs> with the press. And he said, I don't feel like talking. He said, go down and talk to to go down and talk to Mr. October down there. He'll talk to you. And it just came out, you know. And um, and it stuck from that yeah, moment. And it stuck. Wow. And that's amazing. Stuck. And that was, after you, that was after you hit the three homers or before? That was before. That was before. Yes. yes. See, wow. that's that good that when you live up to the name with the three <laughs> home runs, before. right? Yeah. yeah. The, so – Reggie, is there is there a particular October at bat amongst all of them that you had that stands out more than any others? I I I can't. I, I guess if I had one, it would feature the strikeout. Um, because I I hit in the World Series. I hit ten home runs in the World Series, and all of them counted. I hit a home run in Game Seven um, of the Mets series. Um, to, to we were up three to two, and I had a two-run homer to put the game out of reach because we had fingers, you know, Mari, the, the Mariano of my ear yeah, who, yeah. In, in the bullpen. Um, but I, I remember a game in that, that Gidry pitched, and I hit a two-run homer to left center off Messersmith. And another game, I hit another two-run homer to left center off Roden. And it, the guys that we had pitching, Gidry was pitching one game, Kenny Holtzman was pitching another, and Catfish was pitching one of the games, and I homered in. Those guys were shutdown guys. It would be like CeCe in his heyday. You get him a two-run lead, and the game is over. Yeah. Um, so those are moments I remember. Certainly I do remember all three of the three homers. Um and the last home run, I would say, I went to home plate trying to hit a home <laughs> um, You know, that, that was for sure. Um, was that a close game? Uh, the three homer game? 
it was a close game for a while. I think we wound up winning that game. I want to say eight to four okay. was the final score, that and it was right. close for a while. But it, you know, it started getting out of hand when because I kept hitting home runs and Chambliss added one on and stuff, and so we were we did put it away. But it was three two four three, you know, for a while early. But it, didn't you hit a home run then your next at bat the um, I had hit a home run. Oh, you're the previous game. You hit a home run, right? Sunday, yeah. I hit a home run the previous game off of Don Sutton. Mm. And then the next at bat, I walked and never swung the bat. Gotcha. Um, didn't have an official at bat. And then I homered the next three pitches. And the opening day here in 78, on a 3-0 and count, I hit another home run off Wilbur Wood <laughs> to start the home opener. So, so you had home runs in five, five straight five pitches. Five straight at-bats. Five straight at-bats. All yeah. five different pitchers, too, right? Five different pitches and only five swings. Wow. See, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's when you know you're locked in, right? If you're uh, – Well, you're carrying, over, yeah. carrying over to the offseason. <laughs> right, though. exactly. <laughs> like, that normally don't carry over. No, exactly. Yeah. But when you're getting three different pitchers in one game, like yeah. that, and it's a World Series game – so. Reggie, what was the key? Because, see, you've had a lot of success in October, too. What, what, what's the key for having success that time of year, coming through in those moments? For me, um, and, and I, I don't think it's very far from what any athlete that excels um, is, is going to say, I had a, an ability to focus on, as, as I look at this water bottle, on just the top of the the that you take off, just that I could I had pinpoint focus, um, and so when I was at home plate, I want I honestly felt that I needed to get a good pass, meaning a good swing. I needed to get a good offer at the pitch that was free and clean and not and without clutter, so that when I was at home plate, that my teammates the manager, myself, and the opposition knew that every pass I took that I had a chance to do some damage. And if I could do that, that's where my head was. I didn't think about lefty or righty. Um, I just thought about you You got to pass go here. You got to get past home plate with me, and I'm going to have a barrel on time. Is that what your fo- was your focus like that narrow on the mat or in you when you think about your October start? See, is that how locked in you are? Um, you, tr- I try to be, but I think mine was just it's just more just the the repetition, just getting out there, just yeah. being in it. You know, I think the first couple times I was out there in, in you know October or playoff games, I was so young, you know, and I just wanted to I wanted to throw the no hitter. You know what I mean? I wanted to like be great. I wanted everything to come so fast that I think it took me a while to to really settle into and just go out and focus and, and pitch, you know, that game like it's any other game. You know, I, I can't – you know, for me, like every start is a playoff start. When I pitch on Friday, I'm going to have the same focus that I will three weeks from now when I'm pitching in, in October. You yeah. know, so I have to have every start be the same. And I think early I tried to make them bigger than they were. Well, you were trying to be – I remember you saying one time, you were trying to be the reason that you won. And I would always be the reason why we lost. <laughs> it changed, though. It changed. No, I, I'll tell you, uh, CeCe, and you let, I'd, I'd almost like to hear you respond to this. During a big game, um, for me, during a season or in postseason, I wanted to be – I wanted a piece of the victory. I wanted to score a run. I wanted to make a play. I wanted to steal steal a base. 
I wanted to get a hit. I wanted to drive in a run. I didn't go to the game that day to say, I got to hit a homer. I wanted a piece of the victory and, and to be a part of it is what my thoughts were at that time. Yeah, and for, and for me, it, it was the opposite. When I was younger, I would want to be the sole reason. Mm. Like, oh, they won because CC pitched good. Not when, and when I, got to, when I got to New York, I realized that, you know, these guys are great. They're going to do their thing. All I had to do is my small little part and not try to take on the whole team's, you know, thing. I can't go out there and hit and do everything. I can't score runs. Right. I can only do what I can do. So I had to, you know, narrow my focus. And all of a sudden it's easier then. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden you get it done. All right. So, R- Reggie, when you, when you watch some of these young Yankees, I'm curious, what do you see from Miguel Andujar as a hitter when you watch him in the box? Um, Miguel Andujar as a hitter, he, he leaves the on-deck circle swinging. Uh, he's aggressive first, um, and, and then that takes over his at-bat. I think that he has about as much bat range as anyone on our club. And when I say bat range, bat range I mean he can get the barrel on the baseball in so many pitches, so many areas of the strike zone. Uh, he can hit a triple line drive down the first base line, and he can hit a triple down the third base line and look like it's supposed to happen, not be behind the ball or in front of the ball. Um, he hits his fly balls and his ground balls um, all over the field. He's one guy there is no shift for, and I think that's what I enjoy when I see um, – you know, a player doing that. If some, one of our young, young players, the other young player that stands out to me is Glaber Torres, who is mat- very mature for his years, um, smooth around the bag, has a lot of range, built like a second baseman close to the ground, and really a good hitter. Very mature for his years. Um, and I look at Aaron Hicks. I look at a guy that um, is, is a good player, is going to be great. you got to work to be great. It takes effort to be great, um, but he's got the skills that that it's going to take to he, do that. He's been putting in the work lately, this offseason yeah, and stuff. He's absolutely. you know he's he's definitely worked hard to be yeah. where he's at now. Yeah, I, sure. I have always thought, um, you know, just since I, I've only known him for two years. I think this is third year with us, or this th- is his third year with us. Um, he's one. Of, he may be the best baseball golfer or athlete <laughs> golfer that's out there. Yeah. And I really think in his first couple of years of baseball, he probably wondered if he had selected the right sport. I was like that with football. But he was, he's such an incredible golfer and so gifted as an athlete. You, you in the beginning of your baseball career, you wondered if you had made the right choice? Yeah, because I was a football player. Football player. Getting back to our players, I, I, you know, looking at Aaron Judge, who's very mature for just – two years of, of, of playing in the big leagues. He's already, he shows leadership qualities all the time. He's got a real calmness about himself. He, he stepped on the field for us the other night about three, four days ago and just played the outfield, and it was a shot of energy for the entire stadium. And when his name was in the lineup yesterday, it was a shot of energy for the whole team. So he, he impacts the team in many ways, and I also see him as a guy that – is is going to be a leader. He speaks well. He commands the language. He's not about himself. He's all about others. Um, and and this guy is getting better all the time when he masters the strike zone. He's going to be something special that we don't understand. I feel like I feel like what you said earlier. I'm not comparing him to you, but 
what you said earlier about just trying to get a good pass. Yeah. Like just trying to be on time and get a good pass. Everybody can see that. So like if you know, when like you said, the other team can see that shit. We can see yeah. it. We felt it. When Judgey hit that line drive yesterday, first pitch off Evo, yeah. it was like, Oh, let's go. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we like yeah. even though it was an out, it was you know, it was just a good pass though. Yeah. And I know yeah. they the motherfuckers saw it too. Yeah, they did. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Right. Like yeah. like, oh yeah, he, he's back. Yeah, you know when, what I'm saying? When, when he is on his game, um he he commands attention from the opposition to the point of like, uh-oh, what do we do now? It's it's okay to get beat if he hits two balls out of the stadium. <laughs> right. you, just, you just learn to accept it because and that's, he's and such that's a That's had to be the same player. thing with you. Like so. people just got, you know, to, to if Reggie's going to beat us, he's, you know what I mean? He's going to beat us. You right. know what I'm saying? If, if Jed's going to beat us, he's going to beat people. I think, too, see, we always talk about, like, is it – just in the back of a pitcher's mind, right, when you have to deal with a hitter like that. Like having a judge in the lineup or having uh, a Reggie well, in the lineup. Well, you know that when he's not in the lineup. You know, yeah. the last three, four weeks, whatever, these pitchers coming in here are like, oh, I ain't got to deal with that guy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just one less guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like one less guy, but it, it just changes the whole lineup. You know what yeah, I'm saying? So, sure it does. Yeah, you feel way more confident when he's not in there, for sure. Yeah, when when he's – I last year we were in Oakland, and – um we played the Oakland. I'm sure you were there, CC. And he dove for a ball in right field, and they had to call time. They had to stop the game, and blah blah blah. He stayed in the ball game. So after the game, I went up to Joe Girardi and I said, "Joe, do you mind if I have a conversation with um, Aaron?" And he says, "What are you going to talk about?" And I said, "I'm going to tell him to stop diving for balls." <laughs> and he said, "Go ahead." So I went over and talked to Aaron about it, and I said, "Hey, man, look, I appreciate your hustle." I want you to go out all the time, but we're not the same team if something happens to you. If you miss two weeks, you miss three weeks, the opposition is going to get happy. So be careful. I I want you to give everything you have, but on some plays, be very concerned because we need you in the lineup every day more than we do need you to make a spectacular play. And he got it, and I think there's a realization to it. Today, about a, three or four weeks or a month ago, he says to me, he says, hey, man, remember what you told me last year? I get it. And every once in a while I'll say something to a player, and two months later or a year later or three years later, a guy will say, hey, man, you don't remember when you told me that? I thought you were goofy, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most common advice you give to hitters, Reggie? Oh, boy. Um, I would say if I can be short, um, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you can be short about it, um, but you have to be, first of all, you have to be fearless at home plate. You can't be afraid to get hit. Um, you got to trust yourself to be, get out, to be able to get out of the way. And once you've done that, you've got to make sure that you stay inside the baseball. You've got to stay inside the baseball. Not that I want you to be an opposite field hitter, but staying inside the baseball keeps your body in balance and allows you, if you stay on balance, you can hit more pitches. You can hit balls away. You can hit balls in. So um, I think staying inside the ball, making sure that your front side is staying inside the ball, make sure that your nose is hunting the ball inside if that makes sense to you, because you will be on balance and be able to hit more pitches. Mm, interesting. 
Is there over over the years you've had a lot of? I mean, there's been a lot of great talent on this team, and you've had a role with this organization for a long time. Is there one maybe relationship or player that you feel in particularly like you really were able to coach him up over a period of time, or you guys just connected and were able to, you know, bond over that period of time, and, and you were able to see him get the most out of himself? Um, you, you know, I it. it n- it, it probably wouldn't jump out at me as, as quickly. Um, certainly, I've had a great bond with CC. I was about to say me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Great one with Jeter. Um, I have a great one with Andujar. Um, and, and there are some other players that have, you know, come and gone where I honestly feel like it's I need to make an effort to be close to players so I have a reservoir of knowledge. And there may be questions that they have, and I can probably answer 99% of them. Maybe some of the personal things I can't answer for a player. But when it comes to acclimating yourself to New York, acclimating yourself to what the expect ex- expectation is from the Yankees, um, here we have a break-even point at 90 victories. Uh, you're even at 90 and so after that, it's get into the playoffs. And if you win 100 and don't get in the playoffs, you've, we've failed. And it's we've failed. Um, if you win 85 games and win your division or win the playoffs, the playoff game, then win your division and then get down to um, the American League pennant like we did last year. We won 90-some games last year. And we played well, but it wasn't our goal. And, and we... Um, played better than most people expected us to play. But once we got to the point where we get to the World Series, um, we had to do we had to one up that in 2018. So, you know, here in connecting with players, it's all about winning. And whether it's Jeter or Posada or Mariano or Andy Pettit or some of the other guys that have come and come and gone, whether it's Soriano or Alex Rodriguez. Um, Francisco Cervelli Cervelli and Robbie Robbie Cano and the players that have come and gone whether it's Paul O'Neill or Tino Martinez uh, it is I remember I talked to John Flaherty one time who still is here with us on West on Yes and I said to him I said you know John one of these days I'd like to see you go to home plate look for a ball inside or look for a ball down the middle and knock the shit out of it. Yeah. Uh, you, I'm cussing because. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, you're, you're allowed. Hey, it's, it's free right here on Uninterrupted. You're allowed to. And, and, yeah. and, and I heard him say one day, maybe a year ago or whatever it was, that, you know, he got to be a better hitter. Um, you know, when he listened to a story that I told him, I said, you're going to play part-time. Uh, you're going to get three or four bats, and you're going to be gone for five or six days to the next guy. You're going to get balls to hit. You just walk up to home plate knowing you're going to hit, knowing you're going to get a ball to hit, and whack it. That's a good point. So, so my, my job is to really is to connect with everyone and make sure that everyone is comfortable. I believe in my position, um, Hall of Famer or not, is my job to fit in with the team. Not for me to walk around and not speak to people, walk by. I need to fit if I'm in the training room, if I'm in the workout room, if I'm sitting on the airplane. Um, if I sit down and eat, it's not for me to sit down first. That's just kind of a rule. Players first. Uh, I'll wait to get my food until somebody else gets up there first. Then I can jump in. And so it's just a, 
the respect that I've learned around the clubhouse as to how to get along with people, how to interact in a major league environment. Um, and at the same time, it's my job to kind of participate with as many players as I possibly can. I think he, he's special in the way that he's a hitter, but he can connect with myself. He can connect with Andy. He can connect with, um, you know, Jordan Montgomery. So it's it's a he's, a he's in a great role. It's a perfect role for him because he can – talk baseball and talk everybody up at the same time and make everybody better. It's, it's a good thing. How often are you seeing things from pitchers, Reggie, where you're like, ah, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that? Um, I will see some things from time to time. And yeah. when I do, uh, I, I won't say anything to the pitcher until I go to Larry Rothschild yeah. and just kind of connect with him, run it by him. I've never been told by Larry, oh, don't say that. Um, so I know I've got privy to say something to a pitcher. I may say something to CC if I see it. Um, and then tell Larry later or something. But, you know, the relationship I have with some of the veterans, you know, CC knows when to, to close off and knows when to open up. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm wondering this. If you – now we know you're Mr. October. You came through in big moments. But if you are going to pick someone other than yourself from anybody, whether it's your era or players you watch growing up or players you watch now to have a big at bat, who would you choose? Who would you trust most outside of yourself to have a big October at bat? Anywhere? Anywhere. I think the guy that comes first to me would be Altuve. Interesting. Mm. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I don't see him get outside of himself very often. Mm. Um, he can always put the ball in play. Um, I haven't seen Trout in postseason, but... He probably has more ability than anyone else, and so I would expect him, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd put my money on him to, you know, as a player in postseason. This particular season, um, I think the guy that gives, and I've seen have the best at bats when I had a chance to see him, and I've probably seen 30 or 40 of his bats. I haven't seen J.D. Martinez take a bad swing. Yeah, in the thirty or forty times I've seen him, he's having one of those years. Um, you know, some of the other players when I look around, I like the guy uh, with the Cubs, the uh, the third baseman. Bias. Uh, no, the third baseman, oh, Chris Bryant. Uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, I like the guy Rizzo. He's got a toughness about him um, that I do like. Uh, this kid over here in Oakland, uh, Chris Davis. Chris Davis. Oh boy. Yeah. Boy, did he make a pass at a ball the other – I saw it on TV, and it's just a beautiful home run swing. So, you know, there's some guys that have some danger signs with them. You know, in our ball club, I like seeing Andujar at home plate. Um, I still like to see Gary Sanchez at home plate, and I keep waking, waiting for a, a breakout, if you will. Yeah. Um, he took a good swing off Giles the other night. I yeah. thought he hit that ball to the yeah. moon. Right? So, yeah. I know. You know with him, it's always just like – It's right there. It's a swing away, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, the, that ability is in there. How about you, see of all, of all the guys you played against or with, who's the person you want up if it was your team most? Matt big Suey. That's a yeah. – Oh, close. boy. Really? No, yeah. He always came through. Ready, lefty, whatever, any kind oh. of situation. Matt Suey, I want him up there. That's pretty good. I That's feel like getting good. that runner in from third with less than two outs, he was as good as anybody. Whatever you needed him to do. Get yeah. the runner in, move the runner over, hit a homer, hit a double. Right. Whatever you needed him to do, he's going to do it. He would, he would, he would come through. But that, that ball club had some, had some pretty good players. Uh, I certainly liked what Jeter did at home plate. And, um, dang it, I just had another guy in my mind, but he jumped out of it. Dang it. 
Uh, on that 09 team? Bernie Williams. Oh, Bernie, yeah. Bernie Williams was a great player, and I always am disappointed with the core four because I think it's core five. Right. He got it started. Yeah. I don't know if he got it. He was core five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the end of that. You think about it, he had so many big hits. To I mean, the the big hits, big homers he had in October was ridiculous. I, I, I tell you another uh, story about that. Uh, this is a Reggie story, but it's cool. I walked by his locker, and he was maybe in the league four or five years, and he had a baseball card in the old stadium that was stuck up in the screen. Yeah, were you in the old stadium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, was stuck up in the screen in the locker, and I walked by it, and I kind of went back, and I and I kind of looked in, you know, <laughs> to make sure there wasn't any darts in it or anything. <laughs> but I looked in, I said, "Hey, man, I said, how come you, how come you got my baseball card in your locker?" He said. Reggie, you're my favorite player. Wow. You know, which which is cool. That's you know? awesome. That's really so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you so he had been there a few years and you had uh, no idea, huh? No. No, I didn't know. That's amazing. Because yeah, Bernie probably he's not the kind of guy who's gonna say it like unless oh, you ask man. him. I tell right? you, yeah. I have had some experiences. Um it, I know this this podcast is, is gonna get out, right? But so and, and I've never told Reggie Wurlitz this. Right. Okay. So Reggie Willits, you know, he's the, I'm the black Reggie. He's the white Reggie. <laughs> so about four or five years ago, we're in Tampa, and at in, in extended camp or something like that, and I go into the clubhouse, get ready to change, get ready to go, and there's two kids in the clubhouse that are running around and jumping up on stuff, and I'm, and I ask them, I said the hell are those two goons over there running around being foolish and crazy? I said, I'm, I'm going to touch him up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, about, you know, I, I start drying off and everything, and they're raising hell and running around and throwing stuff. And so about three or four minutes later, uh, here comes Reggie Willits. And I'm getting dried off and everything. And uh, I thought about saying something, but I didn't. And so Reggie says, hey, Reggie, uh, I want you to meet my son, Jackson. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was getting ready to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, I never told Reggie that. But I said, I said, that happened to me for it, it, this year, too, on something. I'll probably think of it later. But oh, that's I was getting great. ready to mouth off somewhere. And, He's got carte blanche after that. Yeah. No, when you name the kids after him, you're, you're all good. That's how, great. How about the knee? How's the knee doing? The knee's, knee's doing really really well yeah um you know i uh tore it up pretty good there back on march 11th and i just passed my sixth month on on march 10th and i'm march uh, september 11th and um my therapy has been great whether i'm one of the yankees and i've got you know matt kraus and i've got steve donahue and and tim and mike and the guys that, that work on me um at this you know i had great surgery uh by um Jeff uh, Murphy, or Dan Murphy, our surgeon in Tampa. Um, it's just that the last 20%, 25% probably is going to take as long as the first 75% because it's still weak. Um, the muscles around it that support the knee are, are you know, they had atrophy and they are coming back. Um, I have been able to play some golf, but I've got to be careful. If I play eight or nine or ten holes, the starts get sore, I just get off and then I can't play for a while so it's 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 a struggle if you will um I've had times when it's just ached for no reason it's probably because of being tired and the atrophy that I've had but um, I'm grateful I feel blessed 
Um, you know, I'm 72 years old and I still get, and I get around like a 70 year old. So I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> shave a couple of years off that. I like it, man. You know, I, I, I'm thinking about something you said earlier where you were like, so people get in front of a mic and you're thinking like, just please don't, don't tell a story where I'm oh, a yeah. jerk. So I, I have to ask, who would you be most nervous to have a mic in front of them about to tell a Reggie story? The guy that I'm usually most nervous with is Ricky. <laughs> well, you don't never know what he's going to say anywhere. Exactly. You don't know what's going to come out. Exactly. And sometimes the story, the same story, sometimes it changes. <laughs> you know? But but and, and and he has no no qualms saying he turned me down. He just told me he he just told me no. You know I ain't I ain't giving you no autograph. He told that story at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, in in in, uh, in in Cooperstown, and then he told it again uh, over at the induction about four four or five years. And it was different. (laughs) different. Oh, that's great. Well, Reggie, thank you for giving us all this time. We sincerely appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. I've been wanting to get you on all year. Uh, I can tell you that uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I was looking forward to it. And um, the time is short for me because uh, it feels like I'm leaving soon. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Good luck uh, with your radio show. It's fun. On Sirius. It's fun. 82, right? Channel 82? Uh, Channel 82. It's the Mad Dog Station. Okay, uh, great. Channel 82, 11 o'clock in the morning in on the east and 8 o'clock in California. On Saturdays. On Saturdays, on Saturdays right? Saturdays, yeah. Very nice. We appreciate it, Mr. October. Thank you, Ryan. All Thank right. You. That was good, huh? Yeah. You know what's funny? Like, you, you could tell there are certain stories that you can just see in his mind. They just keep, like, they, the Rolodex just he keeps flipping through, especially with Ricky. Like, you could yeah. just... You Sometimes Reggie makes me nervous, man. I like, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you never know what he's gonna say, but exactly. he was awesome. I wish we could have gotten to some more stories, but uh, it, it was good. Yeah, it was, man. He he's he's an intimidating guy. That's what it is. He like, definitely is. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, like he's got that presence where it's like you do not want to like upset him because he would just no. He's gonna very, tell you exactly, exactly what the fuck he thinks. Yeah, exactly. Right. He very flatly. I was gonna. I, you see, I kept my cousin to a minimum yeah, because he would he would have got me. He would have. I would have been in the clubhouse. He would have been like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> He uh so I uh, the you know, I've met Reggie a variety of times, you know, whether those are memorable interactions for him or not. But I think it was like eight years ago, there was some deli opening up and there was this promotion where me and Reggie were both on like one side of the deli. I don't know if it was like a new subway or what the heck the promotion was, but it was me and him like making sandwiches, but me interviewing him as he's making the sandwiches. <laughs> now you can imagine, you know, like Reggie doesn't have any, he, he doesn't have time for BS no matter what, right? Yeah. So imagine then trying to interview him while he's like making sandwiches. I would love to see that footage. Oh, you know, me too, man. Let, let me, if, was that, that like a yes thing? That No, it was, you know what it was? I was at ESPN radio at the time, but it was just like, it was for some event. Like, I don't remember who it was for, what it was for. Maybe it was Yankees On Demand, actually. I don't know, but it was something like that. The first time we met was uh, the free agency recruiting. Oh, really? And that's where I had met him. I was always a huge Reggie fan. My dad was a huge Reggie fan. Obviously, I'm playing in Oakland and stuff. So, like, walking into that meeting, I, like, I didn't even hear anything Cashman said. Like, as far as coming here, I was just fascinated with Reggie. Like, oh, whatever Reggie. Good. So, like, that meeting was no good. That's why Cash had to fly to California because <laughs> Reggie distracted me in the meeting. You had to time. go back a second time. That's great. We had to have oh. a different meeting. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. So, that's actually one of those cases where, like, 
you know, bringing in the heavy hitters, it works, right? Yeah, but like you said earlier, I always have, like, respect and, and just want to know, like, what these guys went through, you know, the players before us and – um, you know, they just mean so much to us. Obviously, African-American players, too, because, you yeah. know, Reg went through a lot, um, you know, playing in double-A down in the South and stuff like that. He'll tell you the stories. But um, so I've always had, like, a bunch of respect for him and, and just wanted to get close to him and get to know him. So that was a, cool, that was a good way to get to know him. We, I mean, see, at some point we can get into this in the larger conversation on one of the episodes, but what is the bond like amongst African-American players in Major League Baseball? Oh, I mean, it's, it's tight because it's not a lot of us. Right. You know, um, I, I would say it's like how, you know, the guys from the Caribbean were early in baseball where you would see all those guys hanging out all the time just because it wasn't a lot of them no matter what team they're on. I think it's the same way now. You see me hanging out with Cameron Maven, Adam Jones, um, you know, Mookie, a bunch of different guys just all over the sport just because, you know, we have a lot in common. It's not a lot of us on, on, on teams. We'll have to. It would be interesting at some point for us to do some kind of like roundtable discussion yeah, about it would that. be. It'd be great. I mean, to get a bunch of guys in and, and just sit down and talk about it would be fun. 100%. Hey, see, we're, we're, we're cooking up future shows right here on R2C2. <laughs> That's what we do. Well, we appreciate all of you listening to this episode of Mr. October. We'll have another one for you next Thursday because that's what we do, right, see? Once a week. That's it. R2C2. Download, rate, review, subscribe. Peace. Peace.